0: from australia this is vk1 wia and the weekly wia amateur radio news service on rf internet streaming and text at wia.org.au
1: I'm Graham VK4BB, and yes, you've tuned WIA News for week commencing December 21, 2014, the Christmas edition. And what better way to commence the newscast than to
2: hear from Phil Waite, our President of the Wireless Institute of Australia. 2014 was a very important year for us. Firstly, we managed to repair the WIA's finances, and I'm happy to tell you that the WIA is on track to show a small surplus this year, with the full benefit not becoming apparent until the end of 2015, quite a turnaround. I'm also happy to tell you that the total number of WIA members is about the same as it was last year prior to the membership fee increase. And it was very pleasing to see such a strong number of new WIA members and previous members rejoining throughout the year. The Department of Communications Spectrum Review and the remake of the amateur LCD were both initiated during 2014. These are two areas where we see substantial opportunities to improve the licence conditions for Australian radio amateurs and also increase the public benefit of amateur radio. The WIA made a series of major submissions to the Department of Communications and to the ACMA on these issues and will continue to take a very proactive stance as they play out over the next couple of years. The Department of Communications recently released the Spectrum Review Potential Reform Directions paper for public comment. Many of the proposals contained in the directions paper are consistent with the WIA's submission. We also made submissions to the 2.3 and 35 gig spectrum reviews. The 35 gig review is now on hold, at least in the short term, until the future use of that spectrum becomes clearer. More recently, we embarked on a full review of the WIA's Repeater and Beacon Recommendation Service. That new policy has now been placed on the WIA website. Finally, we are reviewing some of the amateur radio band plans – and we propose to place a draft of the new plans on the WIA website for comment in the new year. Once again, I would like to sincerely thank our staff and our many volunteers and our affiliated clubs who have achieved so much in 2014. It's always a problem signalling anybody out for special mention as there are so many people who have helped the WIA in so many ways over the past year. For instance, Dale Hughes, VK1DSH, continues to put in a huge amount of effort and his own time chairing the ITU Working Group, which is investigating the possibility of a new amateur allocation at 5 megs, and also preparing for WARC 2015. A huge amount of work taking place largely in the background. Volunteers working directly with the WIA and through the Affiliated Club Network are the backbone of the organisation and their efforts are all greatly appreciated. All Australian amateurs benefit, one way or another, from the time and effort put in by volunteers. The new year will continue to be a busy one as the various reviews continue, but for now, from myself and the WIA board, I would like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a safe and happy new year. Hopefully, I'll find some time to rebuild the antennas that came down in the recent Sydney storm and see you on air maybe on 40 metres AM. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks, Phil. Now, whilst we're with the WIA President
1: and the WIA Board, a little note came in to remind us that the WIA exam service is fully accessible and the WIA, through its WIA exam service and network of nominated assessors, has long made available amateur radio licence assessments to people who have a disability. In all cases, proof of a disability that affects an assessment comes in the form of a medical certificate. This certificate, provided to the WIA office, does not have to specify the exact nature of the problem, but must come from a qualified medical practitioner. While the same level of knowledge is needed to be demonstrated and is assessed identically under the relevant syllabus, the way in which this occurs may be modified to suit the candidate. For the visually impaired, this can include the use of braille text and talking or audio measurement devices to supplement the assessment. For others, the assessment is made to reflect the nature of the disability, including provision for it to be held in a candidate's home. An oral examination held under special conditions may be provided for a person who has a learning difficulty. The WIA Exam Service also provides assessment in remote locations to ensure that anybody who wants to access amateur radio has the opportunity to do so. As with all assessments, safe practices are part of the knowledge of all prospective radio amateurs. Any inquiry about these special or remote assessments can be made to the WIA Exam Service or a WIA-nominated assessor.
3: Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide's southern suburbs, it can be heard on IRLP node 6527, VK5 IRL on 146 450 at 11am and 9pm Sundays. I'm Jenny, VK5 Alpha November Whiskey.
1: Let's have a look at what's happening around our world, around Australia. People who call triple zero from mobile phones. Emergency services will now receive automatic information on your whereabouts. The calls will be pinpointed via their proximity to nearby phone towers following the introduction of new technology by telcos. The technology should reduce emergency response times, John Stanton, chief of the Telco Body Communications Alliance said. But he still cautioned that the information was approximate and would vary depending on the number of nearby towers and the nature of the surrounding terrain. Communication Alliance is the primary telecommunications industry body in Australia. Its membership is drawn from a wide cross-section of the communications industry, including carriers, carriage and internet service providers, content providers, search engines, equipment vendors, IT companies, consultants and business groups. The capability will be introduced to emergency services over a nine-month period. A Perth physicist and Mars One astronaut candidate hopes to generate the first breathable air on the Red Planet with a project that has made the finals of an international competition. Josh Richards, along with a team of students, hopes to send a system which will convert water into breathable oxygen to Mars as part of their Helena payload project. The Helena team plans to demonstrate oxygen production from water in the Martian soil through electrolysis. Helena's primary science payload is an electrolysis module housed in a custom-made chassis unit designed to demonstrate key life support technology producing oxygen from water extracted out of the Martian soil. Theirs is the only Southern Hemisphere entry to reach the finals of the Mars One University competition to land experiments on Mars. The ongoing Mars experiment... NASA's Curiosity rover has detected methane gas that could hint at past or present life on the planet. The robot sees very low-level amounts constantly in the background, but it also has monitored a number of short-lived spikes that are ten times higher. The question is, of course, how the methane, CH4, exists in the first place. It could have come from Martian bugs, it could also have come from a natural process, such as serpentisation, which sees methane produced when water interacts with certain rock types. At the moment it is all speculation, but at least curiosity has now made the detection. Cyber criminals behind the Torrent Locker malware may have earned as much as half a million dollars over several months from 39,000 PC infections worldwide, of which over 9,000 were from here in Australia. If you are a PC user in Australia who's had their files encrypted after visiting a bogus Australia Post website, chances are that you were infected by Torrent Locker and may have contributed to the tens of thousands of dollars likely to have come from Australia due to this digital shakedown racket. The good news is that it appears few victims actually paid. BK1 and Demetrius BK1SV has proposed that a 160 metre AM net, 1843 kHz, be activated Sunday mornings following this WIA broadcast, around 10 hundred hours local Canberra time. At this time of the day, only ground wave propagation could be expected, so depending on the efficiency of your antenna, stations on the north and south of Canberra may be able to make contact. Give it a try. In VK3, Julie VK3 FOWL and Joe VK3 YSP set off Friday the 26th of December for their final road trip for the year and plan to leisurely activate heaps of national parks in Victoria's east. Others have also indicated they too will be portable during early summer. The duo tops off a busy year indeed. It's included visiting parks and display stations at events like the International Museum's Weekend and the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. Their fourth road trip will activate 17 Eastern Victoria National Parks in seven days for the Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award. Some 14 also qualify for the Worldwide Flora and Fauna Award. Each day they'll be on air between 7am and 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, listening on 7.090 while mobile and activating on 7100 and 14.244. Alerts for them will be on the Parks and Peaks website, and to track their progress, visit the Automatic
3: Packet Reporting System site. What use is an F-call? There are many different ways that you can make contacts using HF. Over the past weeks, I've talked about picking your band and frequency, about matching the rhythm of the other station, about setting up next to a big station, and about picking and choosing, rather than sitting on one frequency calling CQ. Another technique you can use to make contacts is to listen for local stations to hear whom they're talking to and at the end of their QSO with a distant station, which you must also be able to hear, otherwise it just defeats the purpose, asking for a QSO with the same remote station. It's likely that the local station will hear you much louder than the remote station, and many locals will help you out with the contact. Don't expect them to help, they're having fun, just like you, but be gracious when they do help. In this internet-connected world of impersonal email, it's easy to slip into the same mindset. Anonymous communication. But the amateur radio community is small. You're likely to meet the amateur you thanked last week face-to-face at the local ham fest. So be mindful of that. Of course, there are going to be people on air who don't float your boat. Don't antagonise them. There's no point. I know it's hard when another station, sometimes deliberately, interferes with you. But it's more sporting to move on rather than get involved in a tit-for-tat exchange. Keep in mind that this is a hobby, a fun pursuit, not a live-or-die competition, so act accordingly. In all I've found the amateur community to be extremely welcoming and friendly, so don't let a few bad experiences colour your hobby. HF can be hard work, but I have to tell you, I found myself jumping around the room when I've made a difficult contact. I've looked at my radio in disbelief when an elusive station stops their pile-up just to talk to you. What a thrill. So get on air. Do it today. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Wishing you a very Merry
4: Christmas. I'm Jason, VK2LAW, with the International News. Bob Heil, Kilo 9 Echo India Delta of Heil Microphone fame, will be awarded an Honorary Doctorate from the University of Missouri. The Doctorate as an Honorary Doctor of Music and Technology for his contributions to the world of broadcast, live and studio sound and innovations to the amateur radio industry. IARU on Emergency Communications. The benefits of better communications during disasters has been highlighted at the International Telecommunications Union, ITU Telecom World 14, held in Doha, Qatar. International Amateur Radio Union, IARU President Timothy Ellum, Victor Echo 6 Sierra Hotel slash Golf 4 Hotel Uniform Alpha, told those attending of the vital role of amateur radio operators during disasters. At the four-day international gathering that attracted some 3,500 participants, he told how amateur radio does not rely on commercial networks and that hams have the technical know-how to send information during disasters. Recently, the volunteer radio amateur emergency response to Typhoon Hagapit was through the HERO, Ham Radio Emergency Operation Network, network of the IARU Member Society Philippines Amateur Radio Association. Those attending Telecom World 14 were involved in information and communications technology. In opening, the Director of ITU Telecommunication Development Bureau, Brahimar Sanu, included statistics of 2010-2012 where natural disasters took more than 1.2 million lives and 40% of the world's population was affected. Other speakers showed how their technology is helping to mitigate the effects of natural disasters and climate change. UK astronaut could walk on Mars in future NASA mission. NASA Administrator Charles Bolden says that a British astronaut could walk on Mars as part of a joint United States and United Kingdom expedition to the Red Planet. In an interview with Great Britain's ITV News, Charles noted that much of the earlier work in aeronautics was done in the United Kingdom. As such, it has always been among the leaders when it comes to taking things from the unknown to making them known. He thinks the UK is a perfect partner to try to venture off into the far reaches of the solar system with. Asked if he saw British astronauts being part of a mission, he has said he hoped to launch. He said, I do. I expect that you will see representatives from many nations, particularly the partner nations that we currently have much has been spoken for and against about aero wi-fi of late now have a listen to this clip
0: good evening chaps i don't know what the internet's like it's not the best of uh, internet the satellite internet but a bit of fun to do a QSO so from this height. Uh, actually at 40,955 feet now uh we traveled not 3,558 miles um i've got 49 minutes in dubai <laughs> how's that M0WTX, thank
4: you, That's an aeronautical mobile QSO, Mike Zero Whiskey Tango X-Ray, live on UK Hub from 40,000 feet ASL. On an Emirates Airbus about 300 nautical miles from Dubai, Stuart M0WTX was checking into the UK Hub on Echolink whilst in the air. Anyone can now operate Air Mobile using Echolink and a smartphone or netbook laptop as it's free to blog, post or tweet from your seat on most A380 aircraft.
0: From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational
5: News on Felix VK4FUQ Awards Israel National Parks Award Members of the Holy Land DX Group will activate MAMSHITE for the Israel National Parks Award. 4XFF026 Holy Land Square H26BS This will be the first time ever activation. Look for the group to sign 4X0WFF between December 26th and 27th. They plan to have two stations operating CWNSSB. QSL cars will be handled by ROS, 4Z5LA. Special Event Stations, DX, Begin Repeater and advice. Jason, BK2LAW, in the international news segment last weekend, told of how the West Bengal Amateur Radio Club had involved the government in a scheme to introduce ham radio to fishermen. Now comes news that the members of the West Bengal Radio Club will be active as 8T5MQT, from Sagar Island between January the 9th to the 16th on 14.260MHz, QSL via VU2NRO WW1USA will be on the air on the 27th and 28th of December to commemorate the Christmas Truce of 1914. Details are on qrz.com Members of the GTM Radio Club in Belgium will be on the air using ON70BUTS until the 14th of January to commemorate the Battle of the Bulge. QSL via ON4CFB Special Event Station R one hundred EA is on the year until the end of December to commemorate long distance flights by the Russian Air Force that began one hundred years ago. Russian stations QSL via R V three YR and the rest of the world via GM zero wrr PU two KKE will be active with the special call sign Z V five WSE from Santa Catarina Island between december twenty seventh to the thirty first. Santa Catarina is the largest and most populated island in Brazil. The purpose of this expedition is to spend most of his time on the isolated and deserted beaches, combining hiking, camping and ham radio. ZV5WSE will be hiking approximately 70 kilometres. For VK1WIA National News and wishing you all a very merry and holy Christmas, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Right across Australia from
3: VK1WIA you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide's southern suburbs, it can be heard on VK5 RAD 2 metre repeater at 0900 hours local. I'm Steph, VK5 HSX, on behalf of the South Coast Amateur Radio Club.
6: I'm Brian, VK3GR, with worldwide special interest groups. ATV, where every pixel tells a story. ARIS continues expanding role of ISS Ham TV. The amateur radio on the International Space Station, or ARIS group, is continuing to explore the possibility of establishing a network of ground stations, this in the hope of enabling the use of the recently activated HAM-TV video system during such activities as ARIS school contacts. You know, the building of this International Space Station took over 40 missions between 1998 and 2011, with one more piece planned for delivery in 2015 and you can watch the whole thing come together in just a few minutes, thanks to a newly released time-lapse video. Those who have only seen photos of the massive structure circling our planet may be surprised to learn that the ISS in Earth terms is a massive structure, weighing over 400 tonnes, spread out over the size of a football field. No booster rocket could carry it into orbit as a completely assembled unit, So it was assembled piece by piece in Earth orbit with components contributed by different space agencies. These include the United States, Canada, Europe, Russia and Japan. To worldwide special interest groups, females in radio. The first female ham radio operators and their awesome legacy. Ashley Hennifer writes about some of the early female radio amateurs. Many hams consider amateur radio to be the original maker skill, requiring knowledge of electricity, geography and communication. And it's one of many mediums that gave women the chance to have a global voice, and they took it. You can read the article at the com website. Carol McGee of Reno, Nevada has been named the recipient of the 2014 Legacy Award, presented by the Sisterhood of Amateur Radio, a worldwide organization dedicated to the advancement of amateur radio amongst women. The annual award honours a woman who, through her actions, has helped to ensure that amateur radio continues into prosperity. Mrs. McGee, who will turn 95 in a few weeks, was first licensed in the 1930s as W8UCY. Seven decades would pass before a recent chance conversation between Mrs. McGee and Nancy Holder, KF7YFT, landed on the topic of ham radio. Since that time, Carol McGee has had a renewed interest in amateur radio and hopes to be re-licensed. Interestingly enough, Mrs. McGee, a CW operator, has never spoken a single word over amateur radio and only recently held a portable radio for the first time. Worldwide Special Interest Group's final frontier. NASA New Horizons Pluto spacecraft wakes up. After 9 years and a journey of 3 billion miles, NASA's New Horizons robotic probe awoke from hibernation on Saturday, December 5th, this to begin a mission to study the icy Pluto and other dwarf worlds in the Kuiper Belt home. A preset timing system awoke New Horizons from its electronic slumber at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but around 9:30 p.m. before ground control could receive confirmation. The probe is so far away that radio signals which travel at the speed of light take 4 hours and 25 minutes to reach Earth. Pluto lies in the Cupia Belt, a region of icy mini-planets orbiting the Sun beyond Neptune. These are believed to be the remains from the formation of the solar system some 4.6 billion years ago. It's also the last unexplored region of the solar system. The scientific observations in that part of the solar system will begin January 15th with the spacecraft's closest approach expected on July 14th. HAMSAT-2 Last week in this WIA newscast, Robert brought you news of an Indian company, part founded by VU3 ISS, who was set to build HAMSAT-2. Now this week, more from Chris VK
7: six F C B G. OverSpace, Space, a startup co-founded by fellow amateur VU three ISS, has confirmed a deal negotiated with AMSAT India to develop HamSAT two as a successor to the popular VO fifty two, who went silent in July twenty fourteen due to onboard battery failure. HamSAT two is expected to be carried aboard the workhorse polar space launch vehicle and is expected to carry the following onboard equipment for amateur use UV analog FM transponder, UV linear transponder. 50 kHz wide, APRS DigiPeter and a digi talker. Druva Space is developing the complete satellite bus, including electrical power system, attitude control, onboard computer and communication system. AMSAT 2 is expected to be flown in a polar, sun-synchronous, low-earth orbit, weigh somewhere in the range of 30 kilos, and further details are to be released in relation to the launch, which is expected to occur mid to late 2016.
6: Thank you, Chris. And projects like this cannot occur without amateur support and... If you have an interest, why not get involved? Find out more online at amsat.org. To worldwide special interest groups, IOTA. IOTA management has received a number of complaints that QSL card requests sent to Kadek, YB9BU, in accordance with his QSLing instructions on QRZ.com have not received a reply, and similarly that email inquiries are not being answered. Emails from the IOTA manager and mutual friends have also gone unanswered. In the circumstances, it can only be assumed that there's an interruption in the QSL Manager service for all the many operations for which YB9BU acts as QSL Manager, and people would be well advised not to send further cards. Acceptance by IOTA Management for further IOTA operations by YB9BU must be regarded on hold until and unless this matter is resolved. That's for all from me. Wishing you a Merry, Merry Christmas. I'm Brian, VK3GR. Rewind. Rewinding we go, and to
1: commemorate Anzac 100, a series of articles appear in amateur radio magazine. A number of contributions have been made by Lloyd Butler, VK5BR, and here's a summary of another one of them. Phil Williams, VK5NN, was interested in radio as a teenager. He took delight in 1922 seeing the radio equipment on ships at the busy Wallaroo port. During 1941, the Royal Australian Air Force wanted people with radio experience to be trained for radio location duties in England. Having passed a PMG broadcast station operator certificate, he began the course in radio physics at Sydney in 1942, followed by training at the new radar school at Richmond, where he was commissioned as a pilot officer. He then enlisted in the RAAF and did a course to set up radar around Australia and New Guinea. A transportable, lightweight air warning radar was developed for local conditions. Nearly 200 of these sets were made for the RAAF, the USA in the Pacific and the British in Burma. At the Pacific War's end in 45, he went to Port Moresby as senior radar officer, was demobbed in March 46, completed an engineering degree and became a power engineer. In the mid-1950s, he began work at the Atomic Energy Authority at Harwell, UK, and joined the South Australian Director of Mines on a world tour in 1961 to investigate nuclear power. Phil rejoined the power industry and then retired in 1982, a keen radio amateur for 45 years, including being a South Australian WIA member and president 1963-64. He has had regular technical articles in amateur radio magazine, and he wrote its single sideband notes column, He was also a member of the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. In 2000, as a member of the RAAF Radar Association, Phil advised the Australian War Memorial in the restoration of the last example of the Australian radar used during the war. Phil Williams, Victor Kilo 05, November, November, later returned to Adelaide in December 2010 at 88 years of age, became Silent Key, ending a long career in service to our country, the public service and amateur radio.
0: From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA.
1: Alrighty, just about time to wrap up shop here at the WIA national news desk. I'm Graham VK4BB. Again, a very happy and holy Christmas to you and yours. We'll leave you with a look at the social scene. The big one coming up, February 22 in VK2. It's the Central Coast Amateur Radio Club's Wyong Field Day. And preparations for the 2015 day are going smoothly. And this is a list of attractions that will be available to you once you've paid your entrance fee of $15. And for people under 17, you'll get in free. The traders and exhibitors area will be open for trading from 9am. As usual, access to this area before then will be restricted. Those who wish to sell their own equipment, open boot or tailgate sales may be conducted in the flea market. Just pay at the gate, $15 per person, plus the $25 for a spot to sell from. Now set up and trading starts from 6.30am. And please note the flea market is not undercover and as such traders in the flea market area need to provide protection for their display in the case of adverse weather. There'll be a free shuttle bus from the car park in Wyongfield, a railway station, to the main vendor's area. Assessments on the day? CCARC is running a full-day foundation licence course on Saturday the 21st of February. Now, if you're interested in either the course or an assessment or both, please contact Chris Loeb. Again, as always, details in our text edition, best read at wia.org.au. Till we see you again... I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly.
0: From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.